Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International Podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. This evening, I do have something that's, that has been stirring in my heart um, ever since we scheduled uh, for us to come and share. I've been asking the Lord, because this is a highlight for us to come and, and speak at Life Center. So I've been asking the Lord for a word and a message. I had several things that were stirring in my heart till I looked at the calendar. As soon as I looked at the calendar for what today is and where we are, I said, God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I want to share along these lines this evening. So if there's a message for this evening, I'm, I'm not the best at titling my messages. Uh, I, would, I would call it Encountering God. In His calendar. From the beginning of time, when the world was without, without shape, form, when it was void, Without any life in it, what did God do? He sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. That's why it says in Genesis, right? He sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit hovered the face of the earth. But God created the earth. He didn't, he didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't come to the earth and say, whoa, and send a message by God, I found earth. And it's, it's void. It doesn't have any life. He didn't discover the earth. He knew, the, he created the earth. But he created it with great purpose and great destiny in his heart. And the first thing he sent, he did was sent the Holy Spirit to hover, to linger, to cover, to permeate the face of the earth. All around the earth was the Holy Spirit. And, the, and it says the earth was without, without shape, form. It was void. And the first thing God does is what? What did God do? He spoke And created light. And what did light do? It was dark before. Gross darkness was covering the earth. When God released light, he was not creating light so he could see where he was going. When the Holy Spirit created light, he didn't create it so he could tell God what what all he could see. He created light to define something new on the earth. Now the world was created in the vast expanse of eternity. God was for eternity past. And he is for eternity in the future. And in the midst, sandwiched in the middle, he created the earth. And to the earth, the first assignment was to create light. So Father, as we sit here tonight, I ask that the light of your word would gain entrance into our heart. Give us revelation tonight. Of your plans and your purposes on this earth. In the time that we live in God. Maybe, may we be a company of prophetic people who see what you're doing on the earth. And respond to the move of your Holy Spirit. Respond according to your wisdom on the earth. In Yeshua's Jesus mighty name. Amen. So God released light. And he created day and night. The first thing that he did was to define something that had the nature of time. Day and night signified that there was time on this earth which was created in the vast expanse of eternity. God was forever. He, you know, Charles, I remember Charles says, God is the, he's the uncreated God. The uncreated love 
I love when Charles uses those, that term, an uncreated love. He was not created. He was in eternity. The world was formed in eternity. But within eternity, God, the first thing, the first mandate on God's heart for the earth was to release the idea of time. He separated day and night. In Jewish life, in Jewish calendar, the day starts at sundown. The Sabbath starts at sundown. So the new day has just begun as we're sitting here. As we started to worship, a new day has just begun. In God's calendar. He separated day and night, light and darkness, and instituted and gave us the gift of time. Now, you know, today when we, when we talk about time, uh, when we talk about time orientation, we're oriented to, you know, we're time sensitive. Some people are time oriented, some people are not. Some cultures are time oriented, some are not. You know, uh, Western cultures always get the flack that, oh, you know, it's time oriented. Look at the cultures of the East. They're easy, they hang out, you know, ha- you know, let it happen as it happens. I'm from that culture. We live in, I'm from India, it's like that, you know. Uh, time is not of the essence, you know, and in, in Cyprus too, you sit around and you talk, you know, when Sarah goes out for a walk with the kids, I know she's not, there, there's no time, I don't ask her, when are you going to come back? Because when, when she walks through the village, there'll be some, they'll see our kids and say, oh, come in, come in and sit down, they have a feast for them. So there are cultures that live like that. But then when you talk about time-oriented cultures, we, you know, we always get a bad report. Oh, you know, it's all, you know, everything's scheduled, everything's regimented. Even in like church life, when you talk about the move of the Spirit, it's always in contrast to the idea of time. Oh, you know, there are churches that are like time-sensitive. It's like, you know, this time to this time, this time to this time. But we want to be led of the Spirit without time. That's not completely God's heart. Time is a gift given to us by God. The Holy Spirit was there when he defined time in eternity. We are the only ones. I hope there aren't others around outside of the earth. (laughs) But we are the only ones, nevertheless, to enjoy this idea of time. And it came from the heart of God. It didn't come from Western cultures. At the very beginning of creation itself, the Holy Spirit waited and gave us this gift of time. And the desire in God's heart for us to have this idea, you know, they started reading the day, the calendar the, each day by how the sun casts its shadow and the, the sundial. Now we have amazing watches to tell us what time it is. That clock tells me exactly what time it is. This is part of God's heart for this earth. That in the midst of eternity, we would have the sensitivity to understand that there's an appointment for us from God. That we are to be a people who are defined by the idea that we are created to have, to be sensitive to the timing of the Lord. To live by His calendar, to live by the idea that God created the whole world with a timer. He created us, our, our bodies, our beings. You know, we talk about the internal clock. You try to stay awake for three days in a row. See what happens. Call 911 ahead of time. Tell them to show up at your house three days from that day. Stay up for three, four days straight. 
Scientists have studied, we, talk, we teach about dream interpretation. You wake up a person every cycle of their dream and don't let them get into REM sleep, REM cycles of sleep and dream. They go crazy in three or four days. We, were, we have an internal clock, internal clock that is ticking. We, we, are, we are aware when it's daytime, we wake up. When it's nighttime, we go to sleep, right? God made us in that way. He made us with a rhythm in order that we understand there is a day, there is a night. But in the spirit as a prophetic people, there is also prophetic moments for us that God has defined in the rhythm of cycles that he has set on the earth. Encountering God. God is calling and raising a people, raising the body of Christ, raising the church today to live in response to his alarm clock. You know, the new iPhones could just come out. You just speak to it. Wake me up at four o'clock. You don't have to set anything. It just wakes, it, the alarm goes off. It wakes you up. God has set, by his genius, by his wisdom, he has set certain markers all throughout history to meet with mankind. It is for us to stir our spirits and say, God, what is that time? What is that time? What is that time of your meeting? In scriptures, it says, you were at the time for love. We always focus on the you and the love, but there is an appointed time for love. There's an appointed time. Everything in every story, every, everything that we read in scriptures is not haphazard. It just didn't show up. It happened because God said, let it be. Let there be light. Let this earth be defined by my time. Let this earth be defined by my desires that I've appointed for them. It is a gift to us from God that with eternity there's available to us purposeful encounters with him. Now, if you turn to uh, Leviticus 23, don't check out because I said Leviticus. Oh, no, anything but Leviticus. We won't read through it, but Leviticus 23 describes certain markers in the heart of God. And this is critical for us to understand concerning the times that are yet to come. It's important to grow in wisdom in what God has done, but also an expectation for the next alarm clock to go off. Leviticus 23, it describes, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. He sets Certain feasts in order. Now who knows, who here knows all the festivals, of the major festivals, the major feasts as described here. Don't look, don't cheat, look at my eyes. Who knows all seven of the major feasts? A few of them. Some, one of them, some of them, yeah, some, we know, we, we, we know some of them. There's seven described here. The first one, he sets into motion this idea of a weekly Sabbath. That doesn't seem like a festival, we don't get distracted by, the, by the, the terminology of feasts and festival. It has deeper meaning. We, can't, we don't have time to get into it. But he set an appointed time weekly. He knows that we need a weekly encounter, appointed encounter. Through Jesus, we have freedom to encounter him anytime, day or night, right? He speaks to us in our dreams. We have access boldly to enter the throne of grace and receive from heaven. But that doesn't take away the appointed times that God has given 
to Israel as a nation. Now you might, you might think, well, this is for Israel as a nation. Yes. But God didn't say these are Israel's feasts and festivals. God didn't say to the nation, he didn't say to Moses, say, tell them these are their feasts that they should, they should celebrate. What does he say? Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of the Lord. Which you shall proclaim to to be a holy convocation. These are whose feasts? My feasts. Before it became Israel's feasts. Before it became a Jewish thing that identified them as a people group. He said these are mine. These are not theirs alone. It came from my heart. These originated in me. And Israel have it only so that they could display his glory on the earth in a small group of people. He chose Israel not because because they were famous or great in number. He chose them because they were the smallest, most insignificant group of people. And God has continued to work in that way. Found the, 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 the absolutely most insignificant group of people and said, I want to work in your life. David was set apart. You know, when the prophet Samuel came and tried to pick, uh, find, uh, find a, um, uh, the second king, he went through all the sons, right? And he says, no, this is, God says, no, this is not it. And, the, and, and Samuel asks uh, Jesse, Jesse, is there another one? And Jesse says, there is one sitting, you know, there's another one. The youngest one. In Hebrew, the, the original language is the insignificant one. His own father calls him the insignificant one. But here's God. With an appointment from heaven to release the anointing upon his life and raise him up as the king of that day. And to be a precursor for for Jesus the Messiah himself. Insignificant one. But God had a meeting place. He had an appointment with him. I'm totally sidetracking here. But when, when Samuel, the same prophet, anointed Saul to be the king, he anointed him with a flask. Something that flask. Something that's breakable. But when he anointed David, he knew there was something different about David. There was something different about what God was doing. Saul, the anointing of Saul was only because the people wanted a king to rule them. But the anointing and the raising up of David as a king was because it was God's time to raise up a, a ruler that would foreshadow the coming of Jesus. Saul got a flask of anointing. David got a horn of anointing. Something that's temporal is what we can make up in our own flesh, in our own desires. But if we align with the timing of God for encounter on the earth, there's a sure anointing that we can expect from the Lord. A sure presence that fulfills his desire on the earth. In Psalm 18, this is what David says. He's fleeing, this is a psalm he writes when he's fleeing from Saul who's trying to kill him. Now he's already been anointed by Samuel. And in his psalm he writes, God, the horn of my salvation. Within him, he was sure that he was at the right time, at the right place for the appointment of God on his life. We are called to be a prophetic people that respond to God's calendar, his timing, if it's been, if the idea of Jewish feasts has been a hindrance, I mean, if you've never felt an affinity because you're not Jewish, I want to speak freedom to you because God says, these are my feasts. Don't you love God? Don't you love him with all your heart? He says, these are my feasts. These are my festivals. He was speaking to a nation. 
But through Jesus, we have full access into his calendar. We have full access to his iCal. We know exactly what he is doing. So the feasts are first is Sabbath, a weekly rhythm, a weekly anticipation, a weekly resetting of our systems. You know, you have computers, the best of computers. At one, at one point or another, you have to like turn it off and turn it back on, right? We can't go on staying awake for the rest of our life. We have to go to bed every night. God created us to understand the rhythms of life. And every week, in, in the very story of creation, after he created day and night, on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested because he understood that there was a rhythm that has been set into motion. There's a rhythm that has been set into place. If he calls us to walk in that rhythm, he needs to be waiting for us on the Sabbath. So God rested. And he's ever been waiting every week for us to encounter him. God didn't rest because he was tired. He entered into that idea of a time frame and said, I'm here. Jewish people celebrate Friday night. We get together. We light the candle. Sarah says the prayer, inviting the Lord again to reset us. Let us enter into this rest. The second is Passover, the festival of unleavened bread. I won't go through detail of all of these things. I want to get to where we are today. Passover or the festival of unleavened bread. You know the story of Passover, right? Israel was brought out with the mighty right hand of God. Now, the father in his fullness is is revealed in the feast, in these appointments. God the father said what? These are my feasts. Jesus the son fulfilled part of his calendar by being the Passover lamb. That takes away the sins of the world. He entered the calendar. He entered the workings, the rhythms of God's calendar on the earth. And fulfilled messianic promises on the earth. Ultimately by being the Passover lamb. He celebrated every year of his life. He celebrated the feasts. Went through the rhythms and the cycles of life. Tonight I want us to to be stirred with expectation for an encounter with God. Because we sit tonight on, on, on an appointed time. For this year. Offering of the first fruits is the third, is the third feast mentioned. It's, these are spring feasts. The first fruits. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he became what? The first fruits, right? From those who are dead. Again, fulfilling God's calendar on the earth. Stepping again as another foot into the calendar and the timing, the divine timing of God on the earth. Stay with me. And from the offering of the first fruits, there's a counting. It's called the counting of the Omer in Jewish life. After the, de- that, the festival of the first fruits, God says, now count 50 days from here. And at the end of 50 days, and they count it. They count it. In Jewish life, we count it. In our community, we count from that time, 50 days. What happens? 50 days later is the Feast of Weeks. Also known in Hebrew as Shavuot. But to us, to the body, it's known as what? Pentecost. The Father fulfilled and was part of this calendar. He says, this is mine. Jesus fulfilled partly by being the Passover lamb and being the first fruits from the dead. Now, he says, after this, after Jesus prophetically fulfilled that feast, 
When Jesus was taken up, what did he tell his disciples? Turn to Acts chapter 1. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And in verse 3 it says, um, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, by being seen by them for 40 days. After his resurrection, for the first fruits being raised up from the dead, 40 days he spent with the disciples. And when he was being taken up, he says, now wait for me. Wait for me because I'm going to give you something that's far greater, that can accomplish far greater on the earth than I can. Wait for me. Don't depart. Don't be dispersed. Wait for me. You know what they were waiting in? The counting of the 50 days. The 40 days that he spent with them was an earnest expectation of another feast to be fulfilled prophetically. It wasn't 40 days because he just wanted to do 40 days. 40 is 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 a cute number in scriptures. He says, he lived with them for 40 days and their expectation began to rise. And they're counting each day together with Jesus, the resurrected Messiah. He's showing them, eating food with them and saying, look, it is me. I'm alive. I'm a resurrected person. And together they're counting and and raising their expectation of their hearts, stirring themselves and teaching them everything concerning the prophetic scriptures. And it comes to, but, but the counting is not 40 days, it's 50 and on day 40, he says, okay, time to see you guys. And he just takes off. And they're like, what? What do you mean? I, and he says, wait for me. Wait for me. We're not done yet. Keep counting. Keep stirring your hearts day after day in earnest expectation for what the Father will do to you in your life. Keep counting. Do not lose hope because you see me go because I sent something that's greater in your, that will produce greater in your life. And they gather together in one accord in the temple, in, in, the, in the upper room, and they waited some people say they just waited till the Holy Spirit came. They knew when the Holy Spirit was going to come. At that point, they had a sense. This is the counting of the Omer. This is the time when it is being fulfilled. This is what Jesus spoke. He rose from the desert. He, he died as a Passover lamb. He was raised up as a first fruits from the dead. And now we're counting to something. Pentecost. They didn't even know what was coming. But they knew something was coming. Pentecost, it will, in Greek, Pente is five. Pentecost, it comes from the idea of counting, for having, f- what is it, when, when in uh, chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. How does a day fully come? It just shows up. But Pentecost comes by the earth, by expectation. If you want a touch of God in your life, if there are things that hinder your life, your family, your own situation, your circumstances, your job, your children, your parents, begin to stir your heart in expectation that there is something in God's calendar for your life. Tonight I want to pray an impartation of freedom in your life. That we won't be trapped by the things that hold us back. But we will be a prophetic people that walk daily with purpose. That we are on God's calendar. I picture, visually picture like walking through day 14, day 15 on his calendar. He has an appointment for us. He has an appointment for us. Each of our families, he has an appointment for us. He has an appointment for Life Center. He has an appointment for this community. As a prophetic people, let's embrace the rhythm of God. 
and, 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 and raise the expectation in our hearts. When day 50 had fully come, what? He, the Holy Spirit rushed in. He had been lingering. Remember, he'd been hovering the face of the earth from the beginning, knowing that God had set certain things in motion. And this, he rushed in because he had been waiting all these years for this appointment with men. Woo! Shabba! Jabba! He had been waiting. This was the Holy Spirit's appointment on the earth to fill us. Fill us. With the fullness of God. That's not blasphemy. That's an invitation from heaven. To be filled with all the fullness of God. Because we are in line with his calendar for us. What is yet to be fulfilled are the next three. Prophetically. This is fulfilled each year. In obedience and expectation. Festival of trumpets. I won't get into all of those things. It's just a heralding. Festival of trumpets is the... That's Rosh Hashanah. We just passed it. It's the new year. It's a Jewish new year. You started with trumpet. It's just an announcement that something new is happening. Something new is happening. Something new is happening. And we're coming into the end days, the end times. I don't even know if my end time theology is all together, you know. But I have an earnest expectation. Having fulfilled the Pentecost in my life, I know the trumpet is not too far away. And I live to hear the sound of God. Not just in the, in, in for the end times, but I look to hear the sound of God around me. Where is the announcement for a new life in you? So every year, the Jewish people walk through this rhythm of life. Most of them don't know this, the, the, the deepest significance like the church has access to. It is critical that we embrace the rhythms of life on the earth. Because these are God's feasts, not just Israel's feasts. Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. It's one day in Israel, the only feast that they fast for. The Day of Judgment yet to come. And the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all in unison, fulfilling God's calendar on the earth. Tonight is Erev the, the, night, the night that the Feast of Tabernacles start this year. And I want us, knowing that God is doing something on the earth tonight, say, God, I want to fulfill. I want to be my heart to be open to what you are doing on the earth, what you are speaking on the earth. Let me be in rhythm, not just in waking and sleeping and waking daily, but being a prophetic people. Understand, God, you have an appointment for us. You have a desire for our lives to be fulfilled on the earth. You know, when Jesus uh, was with the disciples right before he went, you know what's the first question they asked him? Will you at this time, what? Bring, reveal the kingdom of God to Israel. Will you, is, that, is that what he asked? What they asked? Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Therefore when they had come together, they asked him saying, Acts 1 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were flowing with the rhythm of God and his timing for the nation of Israel. 
And his response is, he doesn't say, well, that's, that's wrong theology. We've changed things around. It's not Israel. He doesn't say that. He says, look, those things will happen. Israel will be restored as a nation among the nations as well. But it's not for you to know that time. But to be in earth. But what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. To be a prophetic people, we have to see with our heart's eyes, the eyes of our spirit to see, God, you are doing something. And in weekly rhythms of, of Sabbath, weekly rhythms of honoring God here in, our, in the culture of the body, when do we gather weekly? Sunday mornings. Wednesday nights. It's not by chance that we're speaking part of a Jewish ministry. The first time we're coming back and we are on air of Sukkot. The night that's, the, the Sukkot is the Hebrew word for tabernacles. Now, Israel as a nation... When did, they, when did they live in tents? After their deliverance. When they walked a life of freedom, what did say? God say? Live in tents. And while they were living in tents, that life, that, that generation, they saw some of the most amazing miracles that man has ever seen. We may not have a sukkah outside our house like the Jewish people do, but as a body of Christ, we are, we are called what? To have the abiding presence of God. That we would be the walking sukkah of God. That under our covering is the presence of God dwelling among us. Church, we are called to be a people that live. This is a temporal dwelling. This is temporal. Our bodies are temporal. This house, this building is temporal. The nations are temporal. We are called in this prophetic season until he returns. We are called to understand that he has called us to live out a temporal lifestyle. But looking forward to the trumpet of God on the earth. We are called to live as Israel lived as a nation. Remember, he chose them to represent all of mankind. That God would be revealed. And they lived a whole generation. God's calling us to live as they did. Seeing his hand. They had to believe him for food on the Sabbath. In order to, in order to obey the, the commandments of Sabbath and walk in that rhythm of weekly life encountering him, what did they have to do? Not work on the Sabbath. That was unheard of. These are people who worked endlessly when they were in, in bondage. Now he says, no, not only are you free, you get to rest a couple of days, hang out a few days. And don't work and I will provide for you. And he, he rained manna from heaven. That's Ridiculous. Don't eat, eat the yellow stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it looked like, but... <laughs> you know what manna is? It's a Hebrew word. What does it say? Mana means what is this? God told them he's going to rain bread from heaven for them to provide. And it was so astounding. They got out and said, what is this? Amazing. We're called to be a people who live in constant amazement and wonder of his work in our lives. We're called to live. They, They came to the Red Sea and here's a giant sea. Here's an army coming behind them. God said, not a problem. We're called to be a people who live in tents and live with earnest expectation of the handiwork of God being displayed around us. Because He has an appointment for us. For the body, He has an appointment for us to live this lifestyle as Israel did, but the body, the church is called to live this lifestyle, temporal lifestyle, believing in faith, in faith. 
for his hand and his face to be revealed day in and day out. We are called to live an encounter with him. We are called to be a people who depend solely, fully on him. Attempt something, attempt. We're called to live a lifestyle where you, you have to attempt things that are so huge that unless God intervenes, they're bound to fail. That's a lifestyle of tent dwellers. That's a lifestyle of those who are in earnest expectation. That's a lifestyle of tabernacle people. That's a lifestyle of people who are forever on the Sukkot journey with God. I don't want to get there 10 days from now. I want to go around this whole sea. I want to experience more of God. I am desiring for God to come back, but I want to enjoy and be part of God's work on the earth. This body is called to be a body that walks in the rhythm and the cycle of God, seeing His miracles all around us. Who wants a part of this? We get on board not because we're Jewish, because we are prophetic people called to hasten his soon return. We don't know the hour and the time when he will come back, but you know what it says in 2 Peter? Turn there, 2 Peter 3. I have the slimline Bible, so for Peter, I have to do this. It's hard to get Peter. 2 Peter 3, 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? In holy conduct and godliness, walking as the disciples of God. We are called to to discipleship, to disciple the nations. Go out and make disciples of nations. This is what we are called to do as a family. But what else? To live a life worthy of his calling and hastening by understanding his prophetic timings and walking accordingly, hasten the soon return of God. We have a part to play. He could come sooner if we would like him to. That's the invitation to hasten his soon return. What? Are you kidding me? Sukkot celebrates freedom. This tonight, where we're, what we're in, we're celebrating the freedom that God gave the Jewish people. But we want to celebrate the freedom that we have in Jesus. We want to celebrate, but not just celebrate as a day, but celebrate in earnest expectation that God, no matter what is before us, around us, behind us, beside us, you've called us to be a prophetic company. Hebrews 11.40, you know, after, the, after, after describing all of these amazing men and women, Moses, Elijah, Enoch, all of these people who walked a lifestyle of faith before God. It says in Hebrews 11.40 that we have been given something so much greater than Moses had. We have. We have been given something so much greater than David had. We have. We have been given something so much greater than Elijah had. Are you kidding me? You have access boldly into the throne of grace. They did not have that. Grace is not a little girl. It's the enabling power of God on the earth to reveal His work through us. Free access by grace, we stand boldly before Him. Moses didn't have that, he had that in part. Elijah didn't have that. They had that in part. David didn't have that. Now, since we have been given something so so much greater that they, what does Hebrews 11.40 say? That they may not be made perfect apart from us. 
if we don't enter the calendar and the rhythms of God and his encounters, if we don't live as a tabernacle people expecting his encounter with mankind, with our family, with your, your own person, with your community, you're missing out being part of God's eternal plan on the earth. Who wants to be a part of that? Who wants to be a part of that? Who wants to be a prophetic people? Say, God, I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. I don't, I don't, I haven't read all these things. I don't know Leviticus. I don't know. I don't even, I, I, I don't know. But I know that you've called me. I'm here. I'm here with all of my heart. I'm going to fulfill what you've called me to. With all of my heart, God, I step boldly before you every day expecting to live a lifestyle of breakthrough. We're going through difficult things, but we are pressed by God to believe Him. Our circumstances don't define us. Our lack doesn't define us. The lack in our lives is the only platform for us to believe for the things that we don't see. Not just to have, but to know that God is waiting for an encounter if we believe. Faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence of things hoped for. What are are the obstacles in your life? God wants to come in because he's called you to be a tabernacle people expecting miracles in from the sky in the earth fire by night and a cloud by day what on earth that's the kind of people he's called us to be what are your limitations what are the things that hold you back what are the things that you have been contending for for years Is he not faithful? Is he not greater than that? Step into his calendar tonight. As Erev Sukkot, as the night that this tabernacle journey begins, I want to invite us. Let's stand to our feet and the band can come up. Let's stand to our feet. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's say, God, here I am, a prophetic tabernacle company of people at Life Center that will not be held back by limitations, will not be held back by our own weaknesses and our shortcomings, the things that we feel are failures in our lives, because you've called us to be a company that earnestly expect the miracles of God all around. That's why scripture says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That we may fulfill this lifestyle of faith that he has called us to. The world was created by the very word of God. But it takes faith for us to enter into all of his fullness. Hebrews 11, it describes faith as a way of life for us. And it describes all the mighty men and women who walked, who said yes to God and walked that lifestyle of faith. And it says, but without this faith, it is impossible to please him. Without this faith of of responding to the call as tabernacle people that may not have it all together, that may not have everything that we think we should have, but God has called us and we're going to walk this journey anyways. We've seen failures, we've seen limitations, but we have also... We've seen the glory of God. We've seen the faithfulness of God. We have seen the hand of God. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Hebrews 11.3 So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. 
we need to understand as a prophetic company. God has given us, the, in His wisdom, He has created everything that we see around us. And He has given us to be in His likeness, to understand fascinatingly all the things. Be scientists, discover endless things. A friend of mine visited me from Michigan a couple of days ago. And he said he is involved in, he is at the, at, the, at the cusp of discovering cure for cancer. He wouldn't tell me the formula that they use for the cells. But they have come up with a way to inject, I want to share this. They have come up with a way to inject a small molecule into our bloodstream. And it will target, it will go through our bloodstream until it comes to the place where the, the blood vessels are feeding the cancer cells. And at that point, when they can, tar- they can trace it, when they get there to those blood vessels, they, uh, they, they expose it to laser radiation. And it, this thing ex- expands and explodes and becomes gas and blocks that vessel from feeding. We are at the cusp of great things. God has given us the ability, all these things, yes. But at some point or another, we have to come because it's framed. All of the wisdom and intellect God has given us, it's framed by the word of God. That's what it says in Hebrews 11.3. In his wisdom, he has given us the intellect to discover those things. In his genius, he has limited us to knowing him apart from faith. So Father, tonight we give you our all. We lay down our apprehension, our minds, obstruction of your work in our lives. And we say, God, by faith we enter into the full lifestyle, the full call that you have for us, Lord. And we want to be a company that earnestly hastens your soon return. I want to pray for those, if you want to come up, staff, pastors come up and help pray. I want to release, because this is not an anointing that we are carrying, we are in the time, we are at the time of encounter tonight, being Erev Sukkot, Erev, the night the tabernacle starts. If you want to break through, if you want to walk in this lifestyle of faith with God in your life, come on, come up to the front. Staff and staff and team, come up. Let's pray. Release the impartation because we are at the time of love. We are at that time where God is meeting with us.